Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And today's guest is the founder of Catalyst Group, the creator of the Inside Out Success Method. She started her real estate company, Catalyst Group, at the age of 19. She sustained her company through the housing crisis of 2007 through 2010, and continue to scale her business beyond the seven-figure mark to become one of the top-performing real estate teams in the state of Idaho. She's been a single agent, has run a team, and has been a real estate broker for the Catalyst Group. And she personally funded and sold a development project consisting of 11 upper-tier luxury homes while still operating her real estate team. The inspiration fueling every pursuit has been to simplify success shine a light on the truth of whatever may be in its way, and show others they can do anything they set their mind to. She guides female change makers all over the globe to discover inner freedom and fulfillment using the inside out success method. The purpose of the method is to accelerate transformation, create lasting success, and do it all from a limitless, beautiful inner state. Please welcome Stacy. Baronfuss. Hello, Dr. Gary. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. I'm so excited to hear about your start. Look, you started this real estate company at age 19. How, you know, that's when most people are drinking beer in college. Okay. How did, how did you get that started? And what was your inspiration to do that? You know, the inspiration was really just the opportunity in real estate and in leadership of, you know, creating your opportunity and having this unlimited, you know, opportunity within real estate or with, you know, for me, it was within real estate, but within any pursuit was what was of most interest that I could create change however I wanted to versus, you know, having a ceiling or, you know, limitations under someone else's maybe vision or, or company. Yeah. So you, it's interesting when you say this at this age that you decided to create the opportunity or create the change in your life that fit you. That's kind of unusual. You know, most people at 19, they're waiting for things to come to them or they're going kind of the normal path. You didn't go like the average path. Was there a moment when that kind of hit you when you, you know, 18, 19 years old, you went, you know, this path that other people taking just doesn't, it doesn't fit me. I want to try something different. Do you remember that moment or that that transformation that when that occurred? You know, I I do. It was funny. I went out and bought my first car. It was literally the day after I turned 18. And I value freedom very much, and so I was very motivated to get, you know, out of the house, out of the rules, out of, you know, that um, environment. And I remember going and buying the car and noting that change of the direction I was going to go because I I started to experience what it was like seeing an opportunity or seeing something that I wanted going and making it happen and how that felt, how that accomplishment, you know, was 
was done as far as, you know, how it all unfolded. And I knew because I actually was going to go to college and study international business. I knew that that was not the, the direction and that real estate and, you know, going down this road was what was next. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted something a little bit less conceptual and more doing in, in, in your life. Right. And so, okay. I have to ask you, what was that first car? It was a 1996 black Honda Accord. I love it. So my first car, most people don't even know this was a Datsun B210 because a Datsun was the name that Nissan had before it became Nissan. (laughs) So that's how far back I go. (laughs) I owned uh, a Honda myself later on. So I think a lot of people in America have their good cars. You don't still have it today, do you? I don't, no. No. Okay, okay. All right. So you went into real estate, you decided not to go into international business studies. Talk a little bit about how that started and you got your real estate license and the path that you took. And I want to hear about when you started your team and how that happened. Yes. Yes. So I think it's important to note that the journey into real estate actually started when I was a senior in high school. So I was 17 and I was joking around with a few friends to a, that I would apply as a salesperson at a local resort real estate office. Um, more of like, you know, the old game, well, not old game, but truth or dare, you know, of like, mm-hmm. I dare you to go do that. And so I, I did that and they ended up, the resort real estate office ended up calling me to um, interview me as one of the assistants to, you know, the main sales coordinator. And so I started working part-time as an assistant in that office. And that is you know, where I started to see this opening, you know, so then fast forward to getting licensed, you know, when I was 19, I really wanted to, you know, elevate the experience for consumers because across the board, um, unfortunately, most people have, you know, had a bad experience with just lack of professionalism in the industry. So wanted to change that. So as I got started, you know, I quickly saw that I could only do so much And, you know, after working pretty much all the time, I wanted to just figure out another way, you know, of, of leverage, of scaling, of, you know, wanting to just impact at that greater level. And so when I, when I started thinking about the team, you know, I I started with having, you know, one assistant that did the postcard, did all the admin kind of work. And it was very challenging for me to keep an assistant for several years. It was, you know, I mean, a good four or five years where it was a revolving door, quite frankly, you know, because I wanted to go so fast. I was really good at being a producer, but I had not, you know, crossed the bridge in understanding the difference between being a producer and a leader, you know? Yeah, that's obviously that's that's this whole program, right? Leadership is responsibly not a position. And that's a real challenge for anybody that's an individual contributor and now has somebody to lead and manage. And to your point, people leave their boss. So these administrators will leave in your boss. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you did and what you changed to actually keep an admin you know, and what you learned down that path, the failures, the turnover, it probably bothered you that people were quitting, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, a full-time job dealing with that and then interviewing and then, I mean, basically starting over each time. And so, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I would do that I changed was, you know, I would give a task 
And then it wasn't done the way that I wanted because, of course, I didn't explain my expectations. I expected total mind readers. So I would take the task back. And, Mm. you know, that, you know, obviously did not feel empowering to the other people. And just it it was consistent that every single admin, they said, like, we don't want to disappoint you. That was there was like a lot of fear around, um, you know, disappointment. And so. You know, that that certainly has been the, the biggest change is having the the confidence in the, the other person, admin staff, team member to fail and correct the mistake. And, you know, like like you say, like have their back in that yeah. has been the, the biggest transformation. Yeah. So this is kind of an, an odd. It's counterintuitive when we think about it. Something's not getting done. You think you've been clear. So you take it back like you're helping right? I'm going to help them. And they feel, you know, anybody, you know, 99 times out of a hundred people want to do a good job. Right. And, and you're, you're taking that away from them. Mm-hmm. So they're feeling that they've, they've let you down. They feel like a loser. They feel like, you know, they, they don't belong there. All of these things, all of the, so how many admins did you go through before you woke up? Gosh, I mean, I hate to admit so many, I can't even count. (laughs) All right. That's okay. We've all been there when we go through this transformation from, from doer to leader. And then what happened? What made you realize that rather than continue, rather than hiring somebody that could just put up with Stacy, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what bosses do. They find somebody they keep with the revolving door until they find somebody that's willing to be a victim and just put up with you but you decided this wasn't going to work. And I, I got I to gotta say, there's an interesting thing that you said earlier that I was trying to change the customer experience mm-hmm. in real estate because of the level of professionalism that they were treating their, their buyers and all this stuff. And yet you didn't connect the dots between that experience and the experience of your employees. What helped you cause it? Did somebody give you feedback? Did they, somebody yell at you? What, what happened? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because it was, it's really been in the last two years where, so, so my husband actually started working with me, gosh, it's, it's seven years this week. And he started, he, he basically went through each role within the company because he's very SOP minded opposite, you know, profile of mine. And he was able to, of course, give different feedback because, he had a different perspective, but it wasn't, you know, until the last couple of years of me really getting clear and in my transformation of saying, okay, this isn't working. And what's the common denominator? A question, I mean, I've asked myself before, but, you know, just to take a step back and see that there was that conflict, like you said, you know, of, of wanting to provide X to the clients, but I was out of alignment within in a way, you know? And so I think just, just taking that step back and seeing the common denominator and seeing not only the common denominator, but the feelings about it or my thoughts about it were the same with every admin. And so that connection, you know, of saying like, okay, these people are completely different people, but I'm still thinking the same way, or I'm still feeling the same way was, you know, enough of an awareness to, to see like, oh, I haven't actually done anything to develop myself as a leader. There's the hole, there's the problem and why those weren't clicking in my head. 
Yeah. So the first step we, we talk about this all the time. First step is awareness. Mm. And I think that through these experiences, you said, this is not working. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's not working, the challenge that we have as leaders is you're trying to use the same skills in management or leadership that got you to where you are successfully in real estate. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different set of skills, which you now know. Right. Right. What was the first few things that you, in this realization that you decided to change? How did you make that transformation? What were the, the, the things that became so aware you wanted to change the way people felt about working with you? Yeah. So the first thing that I did is I actually stopped sharing with my husband because what I noticed is that I would share things with him that I wouldn't share with another employee. And so I almost like plugged that leak, if you will, because when I would share things, it would almost perpetuate the bad habit versus using that energy to simply like journal about it or, you know, or just reflect about it and then choose a new path. So that was the first thing. And, and although it seems small, it was really a great line in the sand for me to draw in the, you know, new journey of, of transformation. And so did that. And then I just allowed myself, you know, more space to reflect on situations that, you know, seemed broken. Um, you know, and, and what I mean by that is like, if I gave instructions to someone and I didn't get the results that I, I wanted taking a step back and actually evaluating it from what can I learn from this? versus going right into coaching or going right into correction. And, Mm. you know, at first that was a little uncomfortable just because everyone's used to hearing from me right away. And um, just taking the time to, you know, be composed in the words I speak, the direction that I give, knowing the immense and profound effect that that has on everyone. Um, So being really intentional and purposeful about that was, was a next step. And then, you know, I, I think just recognizing like the lack of clarity in those expectations and taking time, setting aside time to make sure that that's, that's clear. And then asking the person, like, what did you hear? You know, what, what, you know, did you go through and then, you know, explaining and just having that dialogue. Also, it created this buy-in from them because the whole that maybe were there in my expectations, like they co-created it with me, which of course helped me because I have all those blind spots being a visionary. I don't see all those details and also helped them feel really heard in what they needed to be successful. Cause like you said, every, I mean, nine times out of 10, 9.8 times out of 10, people want to do a great job. And so that, that space and, and co-creation was really, really helpful. Yeah. So as I listen to this transformation, let's be, I'm, I'm going to say this in a, in a more specific way, but here's what I'm hearing you say is first of all, the focus went from, from you to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of you trying to make yourself right, trying to understand what went wrong in the communication. And like you said, to hear from them, what did, what did you hear? Tell me back what you hear. I can only imagine there were a few times when they would they would feedback to you what you said. And you go, how did you get that <laughs> right? Totally. And and the other part, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess. You confirm this for me. When you were sharing with your husband, I'm gonna guess that you were sharing your frustration. Yes. 
you would share your frustration with people don't understand me. They don't, they're not listening to me. It's, it's me, 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 me. And you share that and you're like, okay, so you stop that, that, that constant desire to try to make yourself feel okay about this whole thing to, okay, stop, journal, reflect, think. And the job of a leader is to understand where they contribute to the, whatever challenges we're faced with. And that's the transformation you made. You flipped the mindset to look at a bigger picture and understand who you were communicating with in a way that says, what did you hear? I love that. Mm, yes, exactly. So tell me, bring us up to date on what your leadership style is like today versus a few years ago. And that transformation from doer manager to now leader. Yes. You know, you know, the biggest thing is just getting out of the way. Like if I could say what, you know, the difference is now is what was so funny. And I, I reflect on this a lot is, you know, when I would take things back or when I would behave just like, as I say, like a silly human, um, it was always so common. You mean like a bad boss. <laughs> oh my God. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm doing a whole campaign this year on, I'm, I might be a bad boss when I don't listen to people. When I give them, uh, you know, expectations that are unclear when, and I can go on and on, but yeah, it's, we've all been in that situation where we've had bad boss behavior. So, yes. but the first step is to recognize it. And that's what you did. And that's what, where the transformation starts. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to, no, I had to exactly. jump in there. Yes. No, but it's just funny because I wasn't even good at what I was taking back, but I was like, Oh, you know, it's, it's done or whatever. So anyway, I think, you know, today what's, what's different is, you know, not only like setting that, that vision, but, but making sure that I really am conscious about the lane that I'm in and what my lane is and, you know, really supporting and enhancing the team's experience and growth versus really, I mean, anything else. So that's really where it's shifted to today. Total mindset change, Mm -hmm. total shift and twist. And it's really, there's two things I want to mention. One is originally when you're talking about this and you're taking over it, that's the problem I think there is with what we talk about with servant leadership. Mm. I understand the intention of it, but I try to get people to say not servant leadership, but service leadership. Because yes. servants sometimes do for others what they don't need done for them. Mm. And, and under this guise of a servant leader, say, well, let me just take that on and do it. And I, and I loved you. Even said, and I wasn't even good at it. Yes. <laughs> But it got down to your satisfaction. It was good enough, right? Right. Here's the principle. Never do for others what they can do for themselves. Mm, I don't care if it's a child, if it's a teenager, if it's a human being. Never do for others and never, you know, sometimes an act of kindness. I might open a door for somebody. They could do it for themselves, but it's an act of kindness. But never do for employees what they can do for themselves. When we do that to anyone, we're demeaning them. Mm. Yes. You're taking away their power. Mm-hmm. And the first step is awareness. The second step that I heard you talk about is understanding what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yes. And that's that's a tough thing to admit sometimes when there's to say, you know, there's some things I'm not I'm not good at this stuff. Yeah. Right. And now now, Stacy, when you can say that, how powerful is that to admit where your your, your limitations and really focus on your strengths? It is the most, I mean, it's how total empowerment and total, I mean, inspiration, all, all of the 
positive words, you know, that are available to us that we want to feel motivation, you know, energize all of that when you actually can see like who you are in the equation and stay there and let everyone else shine as well. And don't you think that everybody has to go through that transformation in order to be able to be an effective leader and and demonstrate leadership? Yes. For lasting change and transformation. Yes. So that takes me to, uh, you know, we talk about in our leadership development program, everything is inside out. Everything yeah. starts with me writing a personal mission statement, understand my strengths, emotional intelligence, develop my skills so that then I can feel comfortable with who I am and serve others. Until I do that, then I'm going to fall into a lot of these traps that we talked about with bad boss behaviors. You have this program, Inside Out Success Method. Talk to me about that. And I'm going to guess that with all this reflection and this transformation, that from that came this inside out success method. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's what I developed to thrive. That's, this is the system. I mean, not only, you know, professionally, but personally is, you know, this idea of having four pillars that you need to really get behind within to create a life that is, you know, just passionate and by design and, you know, all that you truly desire it to be. And so, you know, the, the first pillar is awareness. That's everything, right? Wow, what a surprise. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I love it. And awareness without resistance. You know, a lot of times we're aware that we're angry, but then the next thought is we shouldn't be angry. And so that awareness of really just seeing the truth, you know, having that inner integrity is having that with yourself about yourself, not, you know, preaching to anyone else or, or having to, you know, admit to someone else, just really having that awareness within. And then, you know, from that awareness, really stepping into that next pillar, which is ownership and ownership of, you know, the stories, the programs, how you've been operating internally And not necessarily having to go back to what happened when you were three and all the stories around it, because it's probably, you know, a version of what happened because as we age, our memory shifts, right? (laughs) But just really owning, you know, the limitations and your gifts and owning what you truly want in the world and working through anything that's, you know, holding, holding back, holding you back in that. And then the next step is, is intention and, you know, really understanding the power of intention, which is, you know, vision, really tapping into that in all areas of your life. Because a lot of times it's like, we have a vision for our business, but we don't have a vision for, for me, like the wife I want to be, you know, so make sure you have that vision of who are you being in the world? Because that is the fuel to be an incredible leader, to, you know, be the, the, the whole, have that whole life success that, that we talk about. And then lastly is realization. It's, you know, realization from the standpoint of realizing things, reflecting and putting them into practice, but also the self-realization, you know, of who you become in the process and really making sure that you are stepping into your power in the ways that, you know, your soul 
desires and that the connection inside and out, you know, out being the person that we show to the world and like inside, you know, what you truly want, your heart's desires, your bigger purpose, that those things are aligned because that's how you make the greatest impact. Yeah. So the realization, you know, I was was writing down here from the inside out is first of all, start with Mm self-appreciation. If you've gone from awareness to ownership to intention, realization is these accomplishments and seeing yourself and reminding yourself day to day that you are living to be the person that you want to be. Right. Right. And not, not just beating yourself up for those days that you see slip back. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're all going to slip back. We're all going to make mistakes. And I, I love what you said around awareness without resistance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just accepting whatever is. And then by accepting whatever is under ownership, you can, really get a clear understanding of what the facts are, what's going on in my life. Not, not kidding myself, but not beating myself up either. Right. Exactly. Right. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And as a leader, and you said, uh, really recognizing under ownership, recognizing limitations and gifts. We, we talk about gifts as strengths. Same thing. As I tell people, listen for the wow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wow. It's like, Stacy, wow. How do you, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And our typical answer is, ah, it's nothing. Yeah, that's just, you know, and it's a gift that people downplay because it's easy. And we think gifts are supposed to be hard. We're supposed we got to work hard. We got to make, yes, we do. To take a gift and move it into a real strength, mm-hmm. we have to work hard at it, but we have to recognize it yeah. first. Yes. Right? And nurture it so that it really becomes what it, it's meant to be because we all have a purpose for that. So what are you doing with your inside out success method now with awareness, ownership, intention and realization and how you apply that to your business, to your leadership and the work that you're doing with in in the bio, I mentioned female change makers around the globe. What are you, what are you doing with this? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as far as the methodology is concerned, I mean, it is the lifeblood of our organization, you know, when there are challenges that a salesperson has or another team member has, you know, we're talking about these four pillars versus the tactics or anything that, you know, is about the client or the situation specifically. And what's so cool is that that level of empowerment that's so quickly available when you take, you know, these exact steps it's so profound that it not only affects who they are in our organization, but it affects who they are, you know, in all of their relationships and in, in their life completely. So that just lights me up and just that, you know, ability to be free, you know, that's the purpose is, is to be free and have fulfillment because what happened in my journey was I was, you know, working and having all these successes, but I wasn't free or fulfilled. And so, you know, this was that methodology to, to arrive there. And so with the female change makers, what I'm doing there is, you know, taking them through, there's two different approaches, working with me one-on-one and as a, as a group, it's a small group by design of only five and a very strategic methodology through, you know, a 12 month program that essentially gets to the bottom of, whatever those limitations are, stories, et cetera, and then doing a recalibration before taking them through the four pillars that I mentioned, and then doing a very in-depth integration so that, you know, they leave the program actually transformed and changed. And 
they can then take it to families, their organizations, and change the world as well. And together we can really elevate human consciousness at the end of the day. I mean, that's the work. So, yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love it. And having four pillars like this makes, you know, having anything like this that simplifies this complexity we call life mm-hmm. and this complexity we call transformation from awareness to realization is really awesome. So I, I, I love the model. I, I want to uh, ask you my last question. My last question I ask everybody. And that question is, if you could write Stacy a letter mm-hmm. and send it back to Stacy like 15 or 20 years ago to that 19, 20, 25 year old Stacy, that Stacy that was uh, losing all the admins, the Stacy that was trying to live life. But as, as I say, you were, you were, you were successful. You were being successful, but not feeling successful. Mm -hmm. Right. What would you tell Stacy? I would tell her to take a step back and recognize her power and see herself for who she truly is and trust that. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard thing for people to hear when they're young, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So then I would also say, if you have questions, go find a mentor that specializes in <laughs> taking your power back so that you can, you know, see, see any gaps or blind spots, you know, to be able to. That, that's really important, right? And I, I think that your husband coming to work with you helped you see some blind spots. Oh, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you have someone that works with you and with with good skill and love, they can tell you, well, Stacy, you might want to look at this. And yeah, I think that helped your transformation as well. Would you say? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I always say he has come into my life to make me more whole. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was a, a poem by Javon that said, we do not have someone come into our, our relationship to be complete, mm-hmm. but to share our completeness. Yes. And then you become complete as a team. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I'm hearing. I, this is great, Stacey. I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Is there any final words that you'd like to share with, with your audience or people around your path or uh, suggestions you might have for other people in leadership? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think the, the last thing that I would share is just the opportunity that we have as leaders is it's so profound and it's we have the ability to care for people in such a way that they may have never experienced. They may have never experienced the mindset shift of working in an organization that doesn't operate from fear. And so if you can really work on, you know, your, your mindset and getting that internal world, right. And I love what, what you teach Gary, just about, you know, that inside out approach with leadership, it's beyond your company being successful. I mean, you're really changing lives in the process. So I think that's just the last comment I'll make. And, you know, if, if one of my programs is applicable and something that you're interested in going to my website, which is limitlesswithstacyb.com, that's the best way to reach me, email me and, and connect with me that way. Excellent. And we'll make sure that we get that into the show notes so people can contact you with other contact information. Stacy Barenfuss, thank you so much for being on our program today. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me. It's really been fun. I'm Dr. Gary, and we make good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks again for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. 
Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.